Kiprios, Justin Bourne, right back at you. It is Real Kipper and Bourne, show number 91. As the Toronto Maple Leafs closed out their Western swing with a 6-2 win over a Seattle. And contrary to our beliefs here on the Real Kipper and Bourne show, they will be allowed to play in the National Hockey League again next year. They will not be relegated to... <laughs> I don't know, the American Hockey League or a, a new form Division Two of the NHL. That's too bad. But uh, certainly isn't playing out in Seattle like they had hoped. But that's not on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They got the job done. Analytically, maybe uh, the numbers don't really support a 6-2 when it comes to, what, offensive zone possession time, which is, yeah. you can get into that a little later. But, Seattle uh, had it a lot. The game played out pretty much like we thought. Uh, a powerful offensive team took over right from the get-go and, and never really looked back. You know, it's uh, always telling to me when the Leafs play a bad team and start to take over, you know, how quickly I'll hear from you before the score even turns. Like, <laughs> that team's no good. Like, you, like that's, that Seattle team was... is. Like, you, you mentioned, like, it's not gone as they were hoping for. Well, what, what were they hoping for? Like, what, what, what did they think they had built here? A team that could compete for a playoff position. No question in my mind. Well, how do you do that? How do you make that claim when you're passing on a guy like Tarasenko to take Vince Dunn? How do you... I mean, some of the moves they made, Kipper, like, we have let them off the hook as a hockey community for how this season has gone. Because, yeah, their expansion team, and sure, Vegas got everything right. But Seattle could have got some things right. And I'm not sure they got anything right. We do not agree. <laughs> the sweaters, I guess. The sweaters, everyone says. Great drop in by Derek Brandale. He's on text. Sammy McKee also back from his Super Bowl hangover. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. How do I sound? A little, you... little shaky? A little weak? <laughs> yeah. Do you have that in your contract that you automatically get Monday off, Super Bowl Sunday? No. Well, my my boss had to come in and work for me on that Monday. That is substantial, so. getting so. getting Favreau to come um, in. Like, that's a big ask. Well, Pretty powerful, if got, you ask me. Kip, you know Sammy's doing well. Kipper, you got you to gotta be pretty happy with me this weekend, though. I took a bunch of little Buddhas up to uh, Muskoka with me. And I was passing them out like they were hotcakes. The boys were just frothing at the mouth for them. We were getting in fights for them <laughs> afterwards. So they were a popular beverage this weekend. Okay, say so that. you're not just sucking up to me no, right now, are, well, are, I mean, are they as good as you're saying? Yes, and I mean, I, I had to buy them. Oh, God, you're so good. <laughs> I had to, mm, so good. I had to buy them. So it wasn't like I was sucking up to you by getting them for free or anything. I bought them and gave them away. I should be the number one brand ambassador. But, yeah, spectacular weekend of the Muskokas with the, uh, with the Goon Squad. Great time. And uh, back here watching the Leafs play a pathetic Squids team that yeah. is just I, – like I know what Borny just said there, but letting them off the hook a little bit. I don't think anybody really – there's a lot of bigger stories in the NHL this year. They're kind of just cruising along, but, boy – they are bad. And I, it's not just personnel. They don't look very organized. I don't know if they're that well coached. The goaltending's awful. Like, just top to bottom. I don't know yeah. really what they're doing. For me, the, the, the biggest tell going into this season was the fact that uh, it really didn't shape up for, for Seattle to do anything significant, in my opinion, until they went and they essentially stole Grubauer. Mm-hmm. From Colorado, and I don't mean the sense that they they stole him, stole him. Joe thought nobody was going to go as high as what he had offered, and it was looking that way. And I, I tell you what, when I heard news that they signed Grubauer, I was I was I was shocked. Well, uh, it made me think, whoa, they're they're going to try to win hockey games tomorrow. Like this is not a team that's slow playing it. Like here they go, and, and then I don't know, Kipper, like. Do you want to talk about some of the moves they made before we talk about last night? Well, or? just for, for me, the Grubauer is is one that says that you want to compete right away. And we do know what great goaltending can do for any team. It, teams aren't perfect because of this salary cap. There's holes in every single team, and I include Tampa Bay's, and you include Colorado right now with Kemper still being a question mark mm -hmm. in that Washington, the issues there. These are teams that are supposed to compete for a Stanley Cup, but you can't do it unless you're getting grade-A goaltending. Right. And the Leafs have kind of felt a, a drop-off the last couple of weeks, and we know what that's meant. 
Here you got Grubauer, your number one goalie, your your six million in last night. He gives up Stinks. what three on eight? Stinks. Stinks. <laughs> it's and over. bad ones. And bad ones. Like, like just not pretty ones. No, you're, you're looking at five five years left of that money and going, God, like if you're Seattle, I hope that's uh how far off lip. is how far off is he f- from being like a, a Matt Murray situation? No. Yeah, but worse. Like Murray was four years, wasn't so, he? Like but he, there are some in the analytic community that picked them to be pretty decent this year. And a lot of their stuff hasn't been as awful as their results have been. And a big part of that just is because they can't get it one safe. Yeah. And you look at their you look at their cap friendly. And I mean, they have 5.9 tied up in Grubauer until uh, 2027. Yeah. And then they have 3.5 in Drieger till 2024. And neither of them could stop anything last night. So, so that's obviously the, the big one. But like... You know, they didn't make a single move. A side deal. A Nothing. side deal. Not a single move. I get it wasn't like Vegas. But you can't tell me you can't find a way to leverage something out of another team. And then, you know, there's all this about what they're, oh, they're going to weaponize their cap space. Well, okay, so far nothing. Yeah. and Their signings were bust. Has Alexiak been any good for them? Nope. And Kipper, what about the Brendan Dillon thing? Yeah, that one was really out of the gate, uh, a, a question mark for me, where they went and, took the, the backup goalie Vanacek out of Washington when they right. could have taken Brendan Dillon. Okay. So they pass on Dillon. They take Vanacek. Dillon gets sold off to Winnipeg for two second-round picks. Yeah. Now they decide to go in a different direction with their goaltending. They take uh, Drieger. They mm-hmm. go and sign Grubauer. They give Vanacek back. To Washington for a second for pick. For one second pick. For one second <laughs> pick, which means that you did not understand the marketplace for, for Dylan. Dylan, and you just gave up a second rounder. You lost the value of a second rounder because you didn't understand that what you could have done with Dylan if you picked him up. Well, and all we hear about is that they're the smart team and big analytics department and doing all these things, but like, there's just no evidence that anything they've done uh has been that spectacular so i i guess instead of just piling on them you know the, the leafs took care of business last night uh, you know I, I thought a pretty pretty strong performance from the best players uh you know mitch marner got some love on the broadcast last night old uh stewie and Fried, you hear that finally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> finally and you know it is interesting uh because they started a, a conversation last night i think it was in the second intermission where uh, Anthony Stewart said that uh, Mitch Marner is underappreciated in this market, which sets up Elliot Friedman. And, uh, well, let's just have a listen, and we'll go from there. And what about this milestone night for Mitch Marner, Stewie? Well, well, I'm in a loving mood right now, so I'll show some <laughs> love to Mitch Marner. It's safe to say that he's underappreciated, I think, in this market. He's got his 400 points tonight, and he's just been playing lights out the last probably two months. Two points tonight, uh, five goals, ten points in his last five games. He's shooting the puck like no other, going to the net on the power play. So I always go back to about six weeks ago when they were talking about he only had uh, zero power play goals in 101 games. It's good to see him playing some great hockey and finally get some appreciation because because he is one of the top winners of the National Hockey I am going to politely disagree with you. I, I don't think he's underappreciated in the market. I think the market is just dying to embrace him. I, I think they really are. Look, the, what what do the fans of this team want to see more than anything else is just win a playoff series, mm-hmm. build on something like that. The moment that happens, it's it's never going to be an issue. It just isn't. Um, unfortunately, because of the way it ended last year for him and the team in the playoffs, he wore it probably more than any other Maple Leaf did. But I don't think he's underappreciated. I think they want to believe and they want to see them win. And once that happens, that all goes away. Well, let social media decide. Yes, we will. (laughs) There it is. The social media. That's all that matters is what they think. (laughs) No, to to hell with them. Good for Anthony Stewart. (laughs) He is 100% correct. I I don't know what Elliot's saying. I'm with Elliot. I'm on more on Elliot's side as well, Kip. Okay, you guys are (laughs) as big of an idiot as Elliot. (laughs) You really are. I don't think, hey, listen. No, Elliot, how do you call Mitch Marner underappreciated free, here? What, what Elliot, Stewie said's right, too. I think there's truth in both sides of it. I really do. I don't want to sit no, on the No, Elliot's saying two things last night. He's saying two things. 
being. It, it doesn't even make sense what Elliot's saying. I love Elliot. We all love Elliot. Yes. That but don't make no sense. It don't make no sense what Elliot's saying. Explain Let's to go. me why. I'll, I'll explain to you why, okay? He's saying he politely disagrees that he isn't underappreciated. But then he follows it up with, it's conditional. When he wins, everything will be fine. So what is it? Right. I see your point. It's a good point. Elliot, <laughs> you're saying that he's, he is appreciated, but... He's appreciated to a he point. He will be further appreciated. He, he will be further. He'll be, he'll be loved. He'll be appreciated. All he has to do is just win, and everything will go away. No, like either you're appreciated right now or you're not. It's con Elliot's saying it will come. Yeah. He didn't say it's here now. He's I saying it will come as soon as you win. Yeah. And that's not that's not fair to Mitch Marner. No, so listen, you, you're making a good point. I, I think that Mitch Marner is appreciated as a player and underappreciated as a person. Because so when I was at the Marlies when Marner was first coming up and we had our training camps and Marner was there. He's the guy walking around, singing the music, you know, putting on the music in the dressing room, kind of a loudmouth. Guys like him, you know, big personality, a lot of fun. You know, whether it's the market or the way the contract situation played out, it beat something out of him. Something and no, something it, between it, him and the fans broke. It, it it beat the fans up. Yes. It beat the fans That's up. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. The fans, and I'm speaking from my experiences and my friends and people in my life that talk about Marner, you can't have the conversation about what Mitch Marner does without talking about the contract and the contract negotiation. And people want okay. it it's always going to be there. Can't be. That's not on Mitch Marner. That is on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, they gave in to him pretty quickly. Well, but did. also it depends, Kipper. Okay, hold you don't on. Think, you don't think Riley could have got 9.5, but he didn't want to be that guy. Marner was okay. Marner should get every dollar he can. I'm not mad at him for doing that. But it does change your perception to someone when they grind for every dollar they can get. Matthews grinded for every dollar he got. Yeah, but quietly and early before everyone was watching. <laughs> Tavares got everything he wanted. Sure did. But Marner can't? Be I think it's a cloud over no, no, a, a I'll, lot I'll, of them. I'll tell you why. Because the Leafs left him last. That's why. The Leafs I set also, him I up. I don't know. Did Matthews grind for everything he could get, you think? 11-6? Yeah, okay. He's the second highest paid I, I guy think, next to McJesus. I think it's the statement that Marner is making that he thought he should be paid what Matthews is paid which no one watches the games and thinks those are two equal players. The six foot three center who scores 60 goals or he's going to score 60 goals. And the guy, the little guy who passes it a lot. No one thinks they're the same guy. And I think why? he took offense at that. Why though? Why don't they think he's, why, why is, I think first they, of all, they think the impact is different and in playoffs will be different. That's what they think. Okay. And that, that again goes to what Elliot just said moments ago or last night's telecast is that Marner wore it in the playoffs. Matthews was better than Marner in the playoffs. Nylander's been better in the playoffs. They're all equal. They all sucked equally, but Marner gets beat up the most. I can't let you say they all sucked equally. Nylander scored five times in that Neil round. Nylander was the best player for the Leafs in that series. You're, you're giving me, like, just last playoff as if that was his first one, sure. for God's sakes. He's, they've all been around five, six years now. Truth. What are their numbers? I they've all played. Would... They've all played equal games in the playoffs. Yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, Marner's got one more point than Matthews in the in 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 the, in same the collective playoffs. Yes, I I believe that to be true because Nylander has not done anything prior to last year to make me think he's been any better. So where where has Matthews been so much better than Marner in the playoffs? I guess uh, you they're know, all been underachievers. They've all been underachievers. Yeah, that's it. We can't really argue any playoff success because they've. But Marner gets as times. Elliot said, Marner has to wear it. Yeah. Because they all Well, sucked. listen, I mean, hey, you were a part of, you're watching how these played out. There's no doubt they played out. The Marner one was public. It was a big public everyday referendum. The Matthews one, it was announced that he had signed before everyone knew what was going on. It was, it was in January or something, wasn't it? They're like, hey, Matthews has done everything. Like, Sick. Cool. Who are we playing tomorrow? 
the, the Marner one was like, when's Marner signing? When's Marner signing? Well, when's yeah, it was the, similar to yeah. the Willie situation where it got, you know, where he it was bleeding into training camp and they were worried about if it was going to get signed before he got to training camp, Boys. right? That, that was when it was happening. This, no, you got you to gotta know the history of this. And this, this Let goes, me have it. The, the history of this goes right to the very beginning. But by the way, this also runs through what we're talking about, right? Yes. This is, no, no, this no. Is, it's, it's all what we're tied in. About when talking about Marner it's, it's, and all, it's, it's all interacted 100%. here. Okay. You got to know the history here. And the history says that when they signed their entry level deals, Math, Matthews, the first pick overall, gets everything that a first overall pick gets. Right. No questions asked. Marner is a top five pick. And traditionally, the top five pick guys get almost everything that they want to. Except for one reason, for some reason, back at the very beginning, Lou says, no B bonuses for you, Mitch Marner. Austin, you can have them, but not you. And traditionally, top five guys, top five picks, Mm -hmm. they get A and B bonuses. That really set Mitch off. So, fine. Right now, he's at odds with the organization and Matthews isn't, to start. Mitch turns around and says, okay, I'll get screwed out of my B bonuses. That's fine. And plays his his entry-level contract. Mm -hmm. And then goes into the next contract and says, you know, we're making it up. Yeah. We're going to get... We're going to get what we should have gotten to begin with. So, that that started the bleeding Mm -hmm. on, on... Mitch Marner and why does he think he's as good as Matthews or what he he deserved the the B bonuses, and now the the negotiation is always on top of we got to make up uh, two million dollars on on the bonuses that he lost, that he earned. Mm-hmm. So that to me always set Marner and the Leafs off on the wrong foot. I agree. And you can look at, say, Connor McDavid, who you and I and the public, for whatever reason, know they agreed to give him 13.5 a year. And he said, make it 12.5, right? He, he was like, I want to make a public statement that I'm in this for the team. I don't want the, the people all yeah. over me. And Marner went at it and said, you guys owe me 98 cents and I'm going to get every damn one of them. So you can't blame Mitch Marner for trying to get the money he was owed and probably earned. But they do. They do blame him. Well, because it does shape our perception because McDavid didn't do that. And other people have said, I'm going to take a little less. What's Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron playing for? Six and a half or whatever? Because they seem to prioritize winning. But I don't, doesn't, That's not how you look at Marner to me, as someone who has prioritized winning for the team. I don't think it's fair to measure it against, against uh, Marchand and no, Bergeron. No, that's fine. That's, that's because they're like, they, they were, they negotiated at a completely different time, yes. I think. But here's the here's but, the but putting the team into the negotiation as a consideration was a factor for them. That's and the point. The biggest conversation to me is with Fridge and what they were talking about, like and Stewie, which was a great conversation. That right now, Mitch Marner is earning every goddamn penny of his contract. Yes, there's there's oh. there's not many better players no, 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 in no, the no, National no, Hockey no, League. No. He's worth more than what he's making Listen, right now. He's he, unbelievable. No, no, he he is his ten nine is the best value on the Leafs team. I'm still. It's Matthews. Matthews is going to win the Hart Trophy this year. They're, they're they're different. That's fine. He can win it. That's fine. But look at the value Mitch Marner gives you at ten nine. So Mitch just got his four hundredth point. Matthews just got it. What a week and a half ago? Two weeks ago? So yeah. the the production's equal. Mm-hmm. Points wise. Not goals points wise. wise. Are, are goals more valuable than points I, to you? No, they're, they're yeah, they're, they are. Come on, they're they're everything's equal. I need more of a playmaker. Your goals don't matter unless I got a I, I got a playmaker. So his assists are almost just as valuable as his goals. So it's just it's whatever you see. Yeah, but the points are there. He's a, he, he kills penalties outside of Brad Marchand. He is the best penalty killer now in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I agree. There's no, there's no debating that. I okay, agree. I think so, he's creating more. So, like, where, where would you put Mitch's ten nine? Is a center worth more than a winger to you? Mitch could be playing center. You know, <laughs> when did we talk about this in like our he third, fourth show? I have two questions. I don't care where he's playing. So I just see production. 
I do think that this like grind for the money thing for the core affects not just Mitch, but all of those guys and the perception of the Leafs for a bit. Because you, you look at a bunch of guys who it looks like made sure they got their money. Like Nylander too, right? He made sure he got every, every cent he could. I also look at a lot of F former players, and I, I know people around my dad's uh, teams and all that, and everyone kind of grinding, you know, in quiet about who deserved what and who should get the credit and who, you know, does that happen with any of your Pasca teammates? Guys, you know, kind of going, well, you know, why, why are they doing that for that pl- former player when, no, you know? No. no, because there was no pressure points. It wasn't like uh, if, if so-and-so got that, then it was less for me. Yeah. It was just a matter that, of... That does change things for sure. Oh, no, no, 100%. It's just, it's the idea of worrying about getting your piece of the pie instead of the team getting it's, the But uh, it's the order of it. Like, like I said, when when you look at Mitch Marner now making ten nine, it's he's, he's given him way more value than Tavares. Oh, no doubt, no right? doubt, not even close. Not even close. But Tavares, no, no one, no, no, no one in Leaf Nation is calling Tavares a, a greedy yeah, bastard. He had to bribe him to come here, and he's a point of game player too. Like he's, he's not bad. Yeah, he's not like. He's, he's but he stands. doesn't kill penalties, and he doesn't. Uh, there's. Few more turnovers. No, uh, he is like it's just, but it's it's because Mitch went last, because Tavares got looked after, Matthews got looked after, Nylander got le- left after, and then people started doing the uh, process of elimination. If he's also making ten point nine, how much are we going to have for defense? Yeah. Oh, oh, wait a second. Uh, our defense isn't going to be as good because Mitch went last and took. 10.9. I don't disagree that if the order is different, maybe a conversation's different. So, but then this goes back to their conversation again, and I'll tee you guys up here, is the playoff thing was a big part of what Frege and Stewie were talking about. And to Elliot's point, if the Leafs go on a run this year, and Marner is as close to as good as he's been in the playoffs as he's been in the regular season, to Frege's point, his stardom and his popularity will be a rocket ship. Yes. Like it, like and if there was a lake up my, you know what, we'd all be fishing. Correct. Like, like, I mean, correct. everybody's but, in the same boat. Everybody's popularity goes to another level if you win. But it, Elliot's actually making the argument, and in he's supporting Anthony Stewart. We accept Matthews as an MVP and a Rocket Richard, and we're just going to love him to death, and we're going to celebrate his 400th point. And Marner gets his, and it's like, oh, it's like a footnote. I it's did. not even close. The ass no. kissing on Matthews compared to Marner in this town you know is what, night and day. But Kipper, the way that they deal with the public is night and day too. So Mitchie wanted to get his B bonuses and he grinded the team over that and got all his money and held out for or not held out, but, but all that sort of stuff. The media was, a, was harsh with Marner. They no, were, no, no. The team was harsh on Marner. Okay, so the team's they harsh with Marner. Set they set the narrative. So they set the narrative. Yeah. Marner does and everybody what he does, follows. and now everyone turns on Marner a little bit in the media. So right. what's happened, though, is Mitch has seen the way that the, he's been talked about, or he did then, and he has given the public nothing. No reason to embrace him, no interviews, no, like, he's 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 fighting with every media member that no, interviews that, him. But that, that, was, that was just is, recent. This is what we're talking about five and six years now. In the early days, Marner okay. gave the media... His personality, right? That's what we yeah. want. We want to get to know Listen, people. The, the Leafs set him up to fail. They did. They they drafted him as a top five guy. We know where Babcock stood with Mitch Marner. He didn't make the team. He barely got, he couldn't finish a, one exhibition game in London before they sent him back for the following year. Usually top five picks are automatic. They're on the roster. Yeah. They got to be really bad. To, to not be on your roster. Then he starts the first year on the, what, the fourth line? Like, think about it. He's got his 400th point. Can you imagine if he started on a, on a legit top six line, like most top five overall picks? How many more points he could have had than 400 now? You don't think a rookie should pay some dues somewhere along the way if they haven't earned it? Typically, it doesn't happen, JB, with top five overall picks okay. it doesn't happen you don't get treated like a rookie and yeah they treated him just like a rookie they did and 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 it didn't help babcock didn't like him you know he referred to him as uh as the as his as a mouse yeah. that, that's how we that's how we referred to him 
It's just, it, it didn't bode well to start. So now the narrative is that you're just, you know, you're not really a star. You're just a guy that uh, needs to earn his keep, start on the we're fourth line. at the crux of this. And all Mitch has done since then is turn around and go, Oh, he's a star. Screw you. I am a star. Yeah. Just look at my production. Look at my points. Look at what I can do every night. Well, and, and the narrative hasn't really changed all that much because it was just set up that way. And then, you know what? You're not getting your B bonuses because we don't even think you're that good. And, and we're going to start the negotiations at $8 million. And somebody woke up at MLSE and said, boys, look at the way, look at the production he's got. Look at the, where it's trending. He's not a seven or eight million dollar player he's almost an 11 million dollar player and they said okay we're gonna give it to you and that's that's the way it, it started out in his career mm-hmm. and he's had to fight tooth and nail to earn all the respect while it's come easier to Matthews it's come easier to Tavares and and Nylander and he's been he's been last in that race and all of a sudden he's he's up in the front right now riding shotgun with Matthews, one of the one, two best punches in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah, I I understand all that. I, I still, you know, what you're describing, it could be 100% right. Everything you're saying could be 100% right. You still have a player who's at odds with his organization and one that is in Matthews and Marner. And whatever the cause, whatever the root of it is, you can see why the public feels differently about the two of them because you see someone... Like, Why are you so pissy? Res- resenting and being a, a, not a dissident, but someone who's fighting from the inside. Where you're right, it does seem to come easy for Matthews, and they treated him like whatever. And you know, it just feels like Marner's looking around to make sure he's never got less than zero point one percent of what he's earned. Which great, everyone should get what they deserve. But it's that I don't know. It's a feeling, right, about what he's trying to get, what he wants, and thinks he deserves versus everyone going. Can't you just be part of it? Like, and just be part of the team's success and, you know, take a little less and go, you know, that whole thing. So you're right. From a personal standpoint, he's probably not in the wrong at all. But now that he has his money, can he relax? Can he open up? Can we get him back oh, he again? He looked pretty relaxed last night well, on that shorthanded goal. And you're, and that's the point is, should you care if he's giving you what he's giving you on the ice? Because what he's giving you. The, the read he made on the, the bounce pass back to the blue line, he's reading the play, coming from the corner, stick poke, acceleration around, coming up the ice, man on his shoulder, no-look drop pass to David Camp for a wide-open net. I mean, that's London Knights, Marner. That's him back yeah. when he was doing it with, you know, with uh, Christian Dvorak on his line. He was unbelievable. Again so can it night. turn? Can If he's London Knights, Marner. Well, not for me. No, no, if he's London Knights, Marner, you, you just win the Stanley Cup and, and we accept you. <laughs> yes. No, I don't even think it's, I don't even, I think it's one round, boys. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Way to set the bar high, Sammy. <laughs> Buddy, I'm talking to you from a perspective of having a million Leaf fans in my life and knowing what they want. The goalposts have moved here. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. (laughs) The goalposts have moved, boys. It's not what it used to be. One round is not moving. If the Leafs play, let's say they play the, I don't know, the Cats in the first round. They play the the Florida Panthers, and they happen to beat them. And Marner has six or seven points in the series, and he's unbelievable, killing penalties. This conversation will be dead. Hmm. The conversation will be over. Hmm. I really, I really believe that. And here, I think I do. And I also, I, I would. I also believe that this conversation would be dead if there wasn't a flat cap. So that's a good point. Yeah, if you can just make. If there's you, a luxury tax, or you yeah, know, at that point, for, all the fans are like, or heaven forbid, get. heaven forbid, no cap. Like my youth, when the Leafs should have won a million cups and never did. There should, you know, where you could just be like, hey, we get to talk about how sick a player is and not have to measure them against something, right? That's so true. So I think that's a big part of it as well. Yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, if if there was more money to be spent on that blue line, or if we weren't looking at a uh, to try to figure out ways to to keep Jack Campbell here, yeah, the pressure would be off of Marner's contract. I agree. I'm glad we had that conversation. That was a great conversation because boys. it's been it's been looming in the backdrop of the way we talk about these guys. You're right; it shapes all the conversations. Yeah, yeah, and it always points to that guy. Because he went last. Because he was the last guy to grab a slice of his pie. His deserved piece of pie. Yeah.
on that stupid salary cap. Meanwhile, Nylander's eating a $7 million pie in the corner. Don't look at me. <laughs> but I- is, is Marner a better goal scorer than Nylander? At the moment. Yeah, isn't that, that's a crazy concept to even think about. Think about that. Think about, well, this year he's going to right? be on pace for 37 goals this year now. But I, I'm, in the, I'm in the camp of being hard on Marner. I really am. Like, yeah. I've, I, you know, I feel that part of it, what you're talking about. I underappreciate Marner, and I'm starting to come out of it. I really am. Like, he's just been so good. Yeah. But like, like, listen like, to this stat, boys. Nylander's supposed to be the purest goal scorer on the team. Is he not? He's just pure. No, outside Matthews. of Matthews. Yeah, outside of Matthews. He's, he's effervescent right? life. He's mm-hmm. just. But he, he, he <laughs> I don't needs, know what he is. And, and Marner's got the same amount of goals. He's ice cold. As, that's what he is. As Nylander. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're at opposite ends so of the they're, they're both, drought and they're both streak. They, they both have 120 goals career career goals. Do they? Yeah, yeah. And that's a guy that hadn't scored a power play goal in 100 games. Right. <laughs> you know? along. What you got, Sammy? So Matt, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Bunting have scored 25 of the least 43 goals in the last 10 games for 58.1 percent of their goals. Yeah, I've uh, pretty good. Yeah. Do you want to? They're the best uh, line in the NHL right now. Do you want to go to uh, Sheldon Keefe's? Uh, Comments on on Mitch Marner before we move on to maybe yeah. the line. Yeah, like it's a good it's a yeah. good way to yeah. get out of it. Yeah, it's special. I think that's really all you could say about that is to to sense that he's there, or really to know he's there, but then to still under that level of pressure, you know, execute a play of that level. That's that's special. Special, and there it is. That's special. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, for Leaf fans, let's hope it gets a lot more special in the back half of, of this year and. Uh, that was a good conversation, though. I agree. I, I liked it. And our, our thanks to, to Stewie and Freege for, for setting it up last night. And nice try for Freege to appease to the Marner haters that will, <laughs> that will only accept you when you win. <laughs> like myself. <laughs> yes. Inclu- um, including Sammy and that. Would you like to do special teams, Campbell, Muzzin? We ate up so much I, clock there. It's too bad. I like I like specialty teams because uh, two for two on the power play. And when will teams learn? Like this, this is like shaping up to being something really special. This power play, yes. and it's 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 far from perfect in my estimation too. Because I, I like Morgan Riley a lot. He just he, he doesn't check all the boxes that I'd like for for a quarterback up there. I'm but the it it doesn't. Doesn't seem to phase the Leafs right now because they're they're able to create so much below the hash marks. Yeah, yeah. And from that, down there, that that, that, that changes things. That's really the key for me. This power play is is the movement and the ability to get the puck from one side to another below the hash marks. And again, led by the likes of uh, Marner, Tavares. Mm-hmm. Matthews waiting for the one-timer. Those guys have to make the plays. If you look at points scored by forwards and D, like the Leafs just don't get the offense from the back end. So you're right. On the power play, it needs to be down into the hands of the forwards that we've been discussing to death here. Uh, Luke Fox tweeted today, Kipper, uh, the the Maple Leafs at 31.5% are on track for the second best power play of recorded history. The 77-78 Montreal Canadiens were just uh, 0.4% higher. Is that team any good? I believe the late 70s <laughs> Canadians yeah. were right? fairly successful. <laughs> you know, the uh, what I like too, Kipper, is that they're, they're switching it around uh, in terms of positional play. Like, remember at the start of the season, they had Marner in the bumper? And then, I don't know, the, the, the whole PP was scuffling along and whatever they did to change it, they, they have Marner everywhere but the bumper at this point. As you mentioned, a lot of low plays and they, they've been super effective. Fun to watch. Actually, let's, let's listen to Sheldon Keefe on the special teams. Let's do that. Uh, I mean, I thought we were elite on special teams. I thought we had a, a real go. advantage, potential advantage coming into the game today, and, and it uh, played out that way. So, uh, the plan put forth by Spencer and Dean on both the power play and penalty kill, and then the execution of the players was just at a really high level today, especially on the, the power play. Uh, that was fun to watch. <laughs> so that really set us up uh, to win the hockey game. Typically in the back half of the season, less opportunities. I do believe that uh, there's still some work to be done five on five. But mm. you know, even if it drops a little bit, you know, if you're if you're up around twenty three, twenty five percent, that should be enough for should you be good enough. to have a lot of success. So there is there is room for it to drop that won't necessarily you know, hurt hurt your chances to to still scare teams with it well and that's what's special. so effective that that second power play group is 
so good, I think, because of Jason Spezza. He will take that clapper off the wall, and he will pick a corner. And when teams have to honor that, he can go into the middle the way he did last night, find uh, the tips. Kosh has got a couple in the past couple games, just being where you know he should be. Uh, so having two units that can do it makes you believe it'll hold up. Big key to the second unit, too, is having Rasmus Sandin back there, yeah. who could arguably be on the first unit if they weren't a historical good power, historically yeah. good power play. Uh, just the quick complaints on Riley is I just wish he moved it without dusting it off, but and I, then and uh, he doesn't have the bomb. That's, but but he's good keeping the puck in. That's he's one thing. Very good at that. That's a he, great point. He the puck he always finds a way to keep it in or like Knock keep it, it in and get air. it back deep. Like yeah. he's not the quickest with the release, but I find he's elite. I don't know. Is there a stat for that? Keep ins on the on the on the power play. Definitely I feel not. like he would be elite at that if it was a stat. I agree. Yeah, yeah and but uh, I, I think. Again, they're going to have to find different looks moving forward. They will find a way to cheat off of Matthews a little bit more. They've moved him on you flanks, know? though. I think they're trying to, to get yes. different looks. Yeah. You know, he's on one side, he's on the next. The next you know, they're okay with him on either side of the power play. Um, Muzzin afraid of contact yeah, is one of the things on this list. Did just you, you, you does, mentioned that in a tweet, and, or sorry, in a text. Yeah, I did. Uh, it still doesn't look anywhere near uh, at the at the peak of his best play as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And when do you go from concerned to worried? I'd say we're there. You do right yeah. now? Oh, I think so. Uh, cause oh, I'll give him another I'll give him another week. He's just the guy that you hold up as this like he's the physical guy on the back end that's going to play guys rough and tough. And there were moments you noticed last night where he's like... Well, he left, right? Yes. At the end of the first? After getting another little, like, head whiplash moment from an awkward piece of contact, which, you know, that it's, it's concerning when you start... And he's he's had non-contact injuries in the past. Like, he, if he doesn't feel like he can be this physical, mean defender, it, you know, the Leafs start to feel a little bit more toothless to me. I just don't know what we're, we're what they're dealing with right now. And, and it, can it just be some wear and tear on the guy right now but like does he need to sit out more hockey games i don't know yeah i i i he sat out a month yeah that's what i mean like i I don't know we're we're giving the rest of the body lots of time to heal here so i don't know but you're right he doesn't look quite quite right and that 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 concern is still in the back end can i just say something too about that back end everyone's talking about yeah we need to you know Bring in another D, and who's available? They keep Ben Sherratt. Ben Sherratt. I hear Ben Sherratt all the time. They're not going to go Sherratt. Ben. Ben They're... Sherratt's not fixing. A curse word. He's not fixing anything. I thought you were going to go doing it. I <laughs> thought for sure. It's like, oh, here it goes. He's not. No. Not the solution here. The, the, more, the more I think about it, and when you've got Kyle Dubas right now going off of the success of a of a of a Kasha, a Bunting, a Camp. I, I think he's going to find some depth, and he's going to do it more on that side, yeah, than overpaying. I think he's out there, and I think he's been looking for a few months now, and he wants that undervalued guy for depth. I don't mm. think, I don't think it's going to be a Sherrod and Giordano's names out there. And I'm watching Giordano, uh, uh, Mark Giordano last night, and I'm going, looks pretty good for a 38-year-old. Yeah. But what he doesn't look like is a number one power play unit guy. Yeah. Or uh, a top four. I'm sorry, but he's not going to come to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think, and play 20 minutes a night. Yeah. He is going to be a guy that can go to a championship team and find – a third-pairing scenario. Now, does that mean Seattle th- still thinks that they can get a first and a, a prospect for him? They're basing it off of uh, David Savard's value last year, and Montreal will base their value off of the Savard deal last year, and yet Savard went and played a 5-6 a role predominantly for Tampa Bay. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know if if Kyle now thinks he needs to blow his brains out as he did last year. Well, and he I think he feels caught. burned by that, right? Like the name Felino was big, and he paid a lot for the name, not where a guy Huge. was at. And listen, I fully advocated that move at the time, but it is easy in, re- in retrospect to see not an undervalued guy by any means because so, of the name. So, what are you thinking? You got any names in mind? No, nothing right like now. Luke Shen, but for, you for know, example? yeah, stop <laughs> it. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, but I don't know if Vancouver's going to give him up. Yeah. And I think Luke played 17, 18 minutes last night. So he's got another year at 850. I think there's a ton of teams, including the Toronto Maple Leafs, would love Luke Shen Mm -hmm. and are kicking themselves because when he... When he was looking for a job, Wasn't you didn't, he waived recently. You, you, yes, not this year, but no, nobody before, jumped on Luke. Yeah, and you now if you're Jim Rutherford, it's like okay, I'll give him to the Leafs, but now I got to go replace him. Yeah, and you think you're going to replace him for eight fifty? Not that easy to find. No. So that's what Kyle's got to do. He's got to go find those undervalued guys. You know, I, I remember when I was covering uh, Washington with Vegas and. Washington traded for uh, Kempney. Remember Kempney? Yeah, Michael Kempney. Michael Kempney. Yeah. Nobody thought anything of it. Might have been a, th- a third or a fourth round pick for him. That guy came in and, and gave them, s- s- he gave them solid minutes. Yeah. That's what Kyle's looking for. This is where your pro scouts make the big bucks. So we may 100%. not see a headline in the Toronto I Sun that says, great job, Kyle, this year, but maybe it'll be someone who surprises. And, and everybody talked about how it was a huge win. Remember all the trade deadline people loving Felino And Felino Myself included. Char- I'm going to char- wear that one, too. Character guy, and uh, and it was like, no, disaster. That was bad. I mean, so I, I, don't think, I, I don't think Kyle can, can go two years in a row. Especially giving up a first rounder for an expiring contract, and we heard from him a week and a half ago. He's, he's going to want term. I don't know. I don't know who's out there. I don't know if it exists. Just need a really good player who doesn't make much, who has turn and a term is right. cheap. This should shoot right. This should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't be a problem. All right, Kipper, we should break. All right, we're going to break because Justin just told me to. Yeah. All right, after the break, Aaron Ward still to come. Uh, we'll get to his thoughts on the Leafs and whether or not Mitch is underappreciated Renee Lavoie will also join us from TVA sports talk about the Montreal Canadians how that sell-off's going and Rick Tockett there's a guy that knows how to win there's a guy that knows real value and and guys come trade deadline we'll get his thoughts on Yarmer Yager turning 50 amongst other things you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kimbrios, Justin Bourne, right back at you. As we await Aaron Ward. He'd be a perfect guy to ask about Jake Muzzin. Yes. Probably came off a couple of injuries over your career. Uh, just how hard it is sometimes to get going a little bit. We're watching Jake Muzzin, of course, a very important part of that blue line as we welcome him in, uh, Aaron Ward. Uh, but he has not found his footing yet, Aaron. I think it's usually hard for, for bigger guys to play that role. That um, skill set is often the thing that people most likely assume is the hardest to regain, right? The, the hands. But for a bigger guy who assumes a defensive role, um, and clearly he, he has been contributing offensively some, I, I think the pace of the game, especially the way the game is played in this modern era, right? So the, the 90s guys, the early 2000s, before they made the rule changes, could never play this game currently. So when you look at kind of a, almost a holdover in terms of body type, you, you have to really get yourself up to a speed and a level of competitiveness that, that takes a little more nowadays. So, I don't know. The, the other team, the other thing I think you also have to discount is you're playing as a defenseman with a highly, highly skilled team. And sometimes it's not always the challenge of playing against your opponent, but it's integrating yourself into the style and, and, the, and the system that's in place. That's the bigger challenge some guy, sometimes for guys that aren't, aren't the full, straight-up skill set kind of guy. Yeah, Wardo, I actually love to talk about that a bit more, about being, you know, with talented players and talented players playing simple hockey because, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs at times have been criticized of trying to be too cute to not keeping it simple enough. And last night I think of, like, the Willie Nylander play, you know, instead of just getting it out. 
uh, you know, we hear the cliches all the time in, in hockey media about pucks in deep and all that sort of stuff. But like, were there any guys that you played with that were talented, but just knew when to chip the puck out? Like, I want to see Justin Hall bang a couple off the glass. I want to see some guys keep it simple. Not because I think I want to take the talent out of the game, but there are times when you just need to punt and do the right thing. No. Are you talking from a, um, highly skilled perspective, like guys that I played with. So yeah. I can reach back to my year. I can reach back to my t- year in 2006 where, I played with guys like Whitney, and it seemed like if you if you sat down and, and actually had a chance to observe, right? So you're playing with them, and, and you don't always notice it, but when you watch the video post games, they don't make mistakes. It's not that they don't make the perfect pass. That's not what I'm talking about. They know situationally, time you're around your blue line or you're around the opponent's blue line, there was never seemingly a turnover. So even though Ray Whitney had ridiculous hands could walk into a coach's office and almost dictate how the power play should be changed or, or created for a specific team because he was that smart. He was also a guy that knew there were limitations based on what was presented to him. And so I would say, yeah, that, that there is an element. I think that comes with maturity because if you think about the guys just named off, like at that time, Ray, Ray Whitney was getting three, three payments, one from Columbus, one from Detroit, and one from us. Right, so he'd been around the block. Mm-hmm. Recky, we got towards the middle end of his career. Smart guy, been everywhere. Doug Waite, same thing. So I don't know if that's a product of of being in the league for a very long time, knowing that there is like a cost benefit of the decisions you're making, and you have a, a sense of bravado a lot of times where you're a younger guy that you're almost invincible. You can make the play. You trust in your skills, and that's what you want out of your your really high level guys you find that they're more successful as they temper it back over time and learn learn what the limitations are from the overall game rather than just situationally what they can or are able to do. I, I think what I'm hearing out of you, Justin, is that, like, you know, here, here's Jake Muzzin, and as you had said, uh, it's not that easy for Jake Muzzin to kind of keep up with the Joneses, i.e. Marner's, Matthews, and, and that high-octane but I'm watching last night, and it's a comfortable win, and there's no question Seattle's overpowered. But yet, I'm still watching the Leafs trade off some quality chances. And at some point, if you're Sheldon Keefe, Aaron, wouldn't you want to ask the boys just to dummy it down? Let's Instead of asking Jake Muzzin to come up to Matthew and Marner's level, hey, how about you guys go down to Jake's? level shut the door and just you know close it out here we don't need any more high octane offense here just just dummy it down i would say this about about toronto i would always hesitate asking a team to step away from their identity i mean you you look at the league i mean there's probably at least 10 teams right now there's nothing identifiable about them you can say every single game this team brings this I mean, look at the teams failing currently. The bottom 10 of the National Hockey League, I couldn't tell you the system. I couldn't tell you for the longest time what Edmonton was doing. Mm-hmm. Other than I agreed the toilet seat was up and down. So to tell a high-skilled group of guys that are a high-possession team to play it a certain way, they're not the New York Islanders who you dump it in. This is a Toronto team that expects to get the puck across in possession across the blue and create from there, and everybody's supposed to be on the same page. There is an element of understanding and you're, you're a professional and you should be able to quick, think quickly and identify who's on the ice with you on your team. Also to lower your expectations, not to, not to say the guy can't do it, but if, if, if it's a choice between Riley having the puck or Muzzin having the puck in a stick, you should be able to react differently. If, if you want a simple play, especially around the playoffs where you don't want to give up the chances, knowing that, a Hall or a Dermot or or a Muzzin are going to go off the glass for safety, and and a guy like Riley is probably going to hold on to it longer because he's able to thread the pass into a you know a tighter situation. His expected threat from Riley is far greater than that of the three aforementioned guys. So I think there's an onus also on the guys to adapt their game, but to change their overall perspective in the game. Oh hell no! I don't I don't want I don't want the Toronto Maple Leafs currently to feel like they want to change their focus of how they play in any way, shape, or form, just just to bring one or two guys along. Yeah, you know, I'm fascinated by that. Do you think team identity is 
uh, like integral to winning. In the, I look around the NHL right now, and who has an identity? I think the Calgary Flames have a clear identity. Daryl Sutter, they're going to be physical. They want to be big. They want to be veteran. That's their thing, and it's working. Uh, the, the, the Leafs have their skilled guys in general. You're right. That's a clear identity, and Sheldon actually works well with that talent, you know, where Mike Babcock maybe didn't work with it quite as well. You know, when teams don't have an identity, can you still have success if you're a little of this, a little of that, or is it better off that you're kind of all pulling in the same direction? Well, and you just said the word. It's, for me, it's directional. It's always hard to have, you know, top two lines play this certain way, ask the next lines to, to, to play a different way. And I'll give you an example where, where the identity has been figured out. New York Islanders are struggling this year because for the past three years, they've led the league in dump-in retrievals. They've, they've been a, they throw it in, they get it back. This year, it's almost as if teams have just allowed them, knowing that outside of Barzell, and I would say mainly Barzell, there's only one or two guys that may opt to carry it in. The majority of the Islanders team dumps that puck in. Well, now what's happening, because of the identity of the Islanders for the last three years, the far side D is basically standing back in the goal line waiting for it to happen. The goalie is already out of his net in anticipation of the puck rimming. So to, to then, like, it's just you can figure teams out. The, the Toronto having top two lines, even though the second line currently Kerfoot got off the, off the schneid yesterday and, and put one in, but the, the struggles of the second line, if, if the, the top two lines are playing a certain way, the third falls off and there's a dump in, I think there's too much that's left for interpretation. And I don't like the idea of allowing guys to interpret. If I, if I use Montreal as an example, there is so much interpretation there under Ducharme over the, over the past, what, five, six months. Mm-hmm. You can't ask a guy, if you close him into a room, to give a description of what this team is supposed to be doing that will match any single other player in that locker room. Toronto currently knows, right? Same thing I would say about the Carolina Hurricanes. They know. The puck goes north-south immediately. You think they would lose a lot with Dougie Hamilton going off the jersey, but Carolina has maintained the puckets on the stick. The defenseman possess the puck as long as they can so they can find an open guy, and it's not going side to side. It's going straight forward. The same idea applies to Toronto. Toronto is too successful in the system they play to want to deviate for the sake of you know getting a, one of the lines on board. We're speaking with former NHL and three-time Stanley Cup champion Aaron Ward. Uh, Wardo, we just spoke, uh, what, 25, 30 minutes on Mitch Marner and whether or not uh, he's uh, underappreciated. Guys in in the past you've played with, guys that you've looked around the room and said, why are they all over that guy? He's he's awesome. Uh, You know, does it happen more often than not on, on, on most teams? Well, I'll say this. I'm going to flip a negative and, and make it a positive. The fact, that, the fact that the playoff failure last year is much equated to Marner, and you look at where they are currently, and, and when he's in the lineup versus where he's not in the lineup, this is the guy that is, I hate, I hate the analogy, stirring the drink. I mean, everybody looks at, at Matthews, everybody looks at Nylander, everybody looks at others, but for me, Marner, the fact that they couldn't get it done last year should tell you, wow, this guy has more of an influence over the success of this team than maybe I'm giving him credit for. So the amazing part is size doesn't really matter anymore in terms of how you, how you dominate the game. You can see, you are seeing a lot of smaller guys dominate the game. He, he in his own right does so much. Like it, he, he has the creative, amazing goals, but even the goal yesterday in the power play that that's that innate ability to know right place, right time, right? He reads the play, understands where he should be. He's not just a creator, but he's also almost a filler of, of knowing where it could be. I'm trying to think of a guy over the course. Eisenman was kind of that way for me. right? I, I can never figure out why Eisenman got the goals he did when I was playing with him. I sit on the bench and say the puck found him. But that, that in its own right is a skill. So for me, Marner gets so much criticism, but that's because everybody is saying we need them. They know. Deep down, you know you've got to have this guy going. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, that line with him and Bunting and, and Matthews has been unbelievable. I think the best line by expected goals percentage and pretty close and real goals for percentage, they've been very good. What are your thoughts on Michael Bunting's status as a rookie? It's a fascinating thing for me because you're talking about Zegris and all these other guys, you know, Moritz Sider, who should, you know, Lucas Raymond, who should win the, the Calder Trophy. 
Uh, let me just read this on, on bunting status. If you're over 25 games in a year, you're not a rookie, and he played 21 one time. If you played six games right. in consecutive years, you're not a rookie. He played five the year prior. If you turn 26 before September 15th, you're, uh, you're not a rookie, and he turned 26 on the 17th. So he, he makes it. He's a rookie. Somehow, should he be eligible to win the award? He should always be eligible because when you create parameters and if you qualify, therefore all you right, qualify. Right. It's simple. I mean, it's the same thing. When, when, when the headmaster of the school sets the rules down, the reason the rules are there is so that you can't argue them. If you misbehave, you already know what the ramifications of your behavior are and, and you are afforded the punishment. Same thing goes. If the league has thought this out and created it, he is absolutely eligible and should be considered. The problem, though, for him is I think when it comes down to consideration, in light of what you just preceded, his, his stats line and why he qualifies and what he's doing out there is I think that you'll look at it and say, some people will evaluate bunting based on the fact that where he slots in. So is it the chicken or the egg? Does he belong in the first line or is he benefiting from the, being on the first line is one of the considerations I think that some of the voters will take. Where you look at a guy like Zegris, younger, has less around him, to, to, to do it, he's a little flashier, right? So the team success in Toronto is clearly there. Power plays top-notch. I mean, think, I mean he, he gets one yesterday. He's, he's contributing on a consistent level. But I think by default, and unfairly maybe, he may be judged based on the quality around him, where the other guys up for the caller are probably going to be looked at in terms of flashiness, in terms of the fact that they are that young and they're defying the odds. And, and there's a, there's, I mean, there's a lot of selling that's going on, right? <laughs> I hate, I hate, I hate to tell you, I hate to tell yeah. you, but I think that, and this is unfair, but I think some of the Calder voters are going to still be enamored by what they saw in the all-star game oh, in a breakaway. Come on. Uh, lacrosse type of goal is worth five in the NHL. <laughs> Perception. Work, it, right. Well, Hey, listen, I got to tell you, the fact that this is creeping into old men's league, like I'm going to get suspended from old men's league. We have a couple of younger guys, when I say younger, like in their 30s that have tried it in, in, in pickup games, and I'm starting to swing my stick. That if you're going to try the lacrosse goal with the guy in net that's just honestly there to stop the puck from, from the goal line forward, and if you're going to get behind him and try and deke him out, I'm, I'm – I'm 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 taking the five game suspension. <laughs> I support that. You hey, we have your back on that, Wardo. Uh, yeah, it's ugly. It is ugly out there. So one other thing we wanted to ask you about is uh, you know what's going on in Vegas, and you know Kipper and I tend to get more into this down the road, but you know Eichel's going to come back. Stone Stone's back hurts really bad today. I don't know if you heard that. So bad he can't. He's he's on LTIR. How do you feel about the way this is shaking out with teams stashing guys? I'm not saying Stone's not hurt, but the timing is super convenient once again, is it not? Long-term IR is like the the glass, Wardo, for you on the breakouts. High and hard <laughs> off the glass <laughs> is your I mean, friend. Safe. Is your friend. It's safe. It's, it's safe. safe. It's, it's safe. your friend. It's, it's guaranteeing me another shift. Uh, <laughs> LTIR for me right now has been, especially since Tampa did this, uh, it is basically um, an escrow service, right? Eventually you can come back and, and, and find it again. Uh, here's the thing about, I, I listened to someone break it down on NHL Network here talking about the fact that it has been documented for the league that's, that for a while that, that Stone has had some back issues. I don't, I'll say this about the league. I don't imagine the league, in light of what happened last year with Kucherov, and I don't know if there are other examples we want to we point out, I don't think the league's going to allow this to happen. Here's why. Hmm. One, one time, yes. If it continues, and this is the way we're going, I got to imagine this has an effect on, on, on uh, something to do with the cap in terms of long term. Uh, if you're trying to circumvent the rules, we're not big on that. Uh, and it also, for a team, I'll say this, for a team in the National Hockey League, come trade deadline, I think that, you know, most people evaluate trade deadline is the greatest commodity is to have the best player. I don't believe so. I think the greatest commodity come this trade deadline, who has cap space? Who's going to eat bad contracts? Who's going to take bad players so that they can free up opportunities for other teams? I don't think the league can allow this to happen if Vegas can't come forth with significant documentation it's over a period there. of time to say so it's there well that's then they've, they've covered the rear end yeah. then. oh then, no 100 percent. 
Nothing can be done. There's nothing that can be done then. Good luck proving a bad back. That's the thing. You can get a doctor to say, you know, come in here right now, Kipper, and I got bad knees and hips and a back. I could probably play a hockey game, but... I, I honestly believe that the league and, and the pressure that they're getting from their ownership group is to turn the other cheek. Just yeah. give me the doctor's certificates. Make sure it's up and up with this, you know, credible people here, and you're good to go. I, I don't think in, in the best interest of of selling a product that, you know, you want Jack Eichel sitting on the sidelines any longer than you have to. Now it comes at Mark. Can I tell you what's going to happen? It comes at Mark Stone's expense, but. Team competing. I can guarantee Colorado, Florida, Tampa, Carolina, they should all pull their funds hire a detective to follow Mike, uh, <laughs> follow Stone around Vegas. Listen, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. And you get every photo of him. Remember back in the day, they used there was a TV show that used to bust people that were, were, were yeah, faking yeah. for insurance purposes. And they're out in their lawn, and they're mowing their lawn, but apparently they you know they got a neck brace on when they leave the house. That's what every night – we should have – maybe that's a business idea for us. I mean, I'm not really doing anything right now, so I could I could definitely be that guy. I think Mark Stone's just in a long drive contest with a 48-inch driver right. in his spare time right now. <laughs> just reefing oh, yeah. He, he, <laughs> He's he's got his private booth at Top Golf, so no one can actually see him up there. This is what it's come to. Oh yeah. Well, we, we shall wait and see. One more for you before you leave. Uh, you know, from your analytic uh, point of view here, we were just talking about uh, the trade deadline and what's expect, especially with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They blow their brains out on Felino and get burned real bad. I'm thinking, perhaps maybe Kyle Dubas goes the other way and just. Starts looking for diamonds in the rough, another bunting, another Kasha. I mean, no guarantees, even I if you give up the first agree. round. Give up a first rounder you, for what? Well, to be 1% better. Do you want to give up? Like, here's your team. Here's the problem. Your distance between the best and where you are is not, it's not far. You're, you're near the top of the league, if not in it. So here's the question. Do you want to give up your future first round or sec or even second rounder to get what one percent better? I agree with you. If I'm Dubis, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm employing somehow like an analytics program to search the league for guys that are underrated that may fit into my system, and that exists. So I'm not going for the star. If I'm Toronto, I I am satisfied and I feel sufficiently happy with the skill that I possess. Now I'm looking for depth. If you're looking for something like Campbell, Campbell's struggled lately. I think he's what, uh, eight goals above expected. It's, it's not been great, but I feel like he's going to fit it. He's going to figure it out. I might pick up some depth on D somewhere. If I can rid myself of a contract, I don't know if someone's going to take Richie's contract, but somewhere there, I would look for depth specifically on D for me, but then again, like you pick a forward that, that fits this mold, take a flyer. Not a Philadelphia flyer. I'm just saying a flyer. <laughs> gotcha. You All don't right. want to bring anything from Philadelphia to Toronto. Well, maybe Sid brings uh, a 500th career goal to Toronto come Thursday. Ooh. They play the flyers tonight. Hey, Wardo, really appreciate your time. Always welcome here. Love your insights. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Wardo. Aaron Ward. So he mentioned Jack Campbell. Mm. Uh, Jack made up all the money he lost in the last two and a half weeks in negotiations. Last night? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, love, I love how this swings. Eh? <laughs> I, how about I, the attention we got on social media there, whether or not uh, I thought Jack's still within five and six million a year, and you went, you've is dropped. We're both idiots. <laughs> you're, you're, you've dropped to four and a half to five. <laughs> we're idiots. Got, got a text about a potential defensive target which i thought was interesting and one that i would never have thought of love it scott mayfield yeah i you know the new that's... york islanders i'm not sure lou's ready to give that up he's good though like one he's... point one point four five yeah he's got this good year, value this year next yeah. shoots right plays 20 minutes yeah. a night i mean you, to me you're looking at a first and more for that that's a player you're talking about a hockey yeah. player there yeah big guy first rounder and yeah. uh Lilligren. i don't know yeah 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 i right? mean you're getting i mean Lou's probably not going to want Lilligren, but... Lou knows him too well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, first rounder, Nick Robertson? Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, they could use someone who could shoot the hockey puck in the net. That's for sure. That to me, I. By the way, I would do that. I like that fit. Yeah. Well, that's you know, yeah. old Bunky uh, but, on the morning show. He's always talking about uh, what's up with the, the Leafs and how the fit is never right and the players are good. That, that's a fit move. Yeah. Or you give up a first rounder and you think something else and you go. I don't. Know, Manson's on an expiring contract, correct? Uh, yes. yes. Josh Manson? Yes. Yes. But this is one with the term thing that he was talking yes. about. This is a guy at that one has six? It. Yeah, at 1. 1. 1.45. Here's, here's yeah, the little that, wrinkle, that's boys. Good value. Lou want to give Kyle a win? No. no. Lou want to give him a win? That's definitely And say, wrong. hey, Kyle, here's a six foot five right shot second pair cheap D yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no he's like, he's like uh, what's, uh, what's Florida up to? Oh, Tampa, how are you guys feeling? Yeah. And they are pushing hard, Florida. They want to shore up that blue line as well. Thanks for that texter for bringing that up. Yes. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here without uh, Justin telling me to do that. Uh, Sorry, Kipper. Rene Lavoie will join us after the break. We'll get into the Montreal Canadiens and uh, what uh, Tyler Toffoli may have started for Montreal. Uh-huh. Also, Rick Tockett later on this hour. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.